Hello and welcome to the next class where we talk about all things related to K-12 education. I'm Rob Birdsell, your host, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Tom Burnford. Welcome, Tom. Good to see you again, Rob. Good to be here. So last time, this is being recorded on July 28th. Uh, we'll be dropping these in August as school year approaches, but so give you some context. Tom, you were doing some crazy biking thing for 21 straight days. Are you, you still going? Yeah, uh, no, actually, I'm done because we, uh, me and my biking buddies, we, we bike during the Tour de France. So just like the guys on the tour, give or take a couple of hundred miles a day. Uh, so, but we had a lot of fun uh, trying to get up early and uh, at least bike every day of the tour. Um, so tremendous, tremendous uh, way to spend summer. So it was fun. And uh, a fun tour de France it was this year. Yeah. So, Tom, today our guest is an old friend and colleague of mine, Kent Hickey. We worked together at Market High ages ago. In 93, I began the Alumni Service Corps, and Kent was there and came back after a couple of years at Loyola High, and Kent was assistant principal. And um, from Market High, Kent and his family moved to Seattle, where he became president of Blanchette Catholic High School. And uh, about 15, 16 years ago, was recruited over to Seattle Jesuit Prep, where he's been president for a long time. And I followed his career whenever I get out to Seattle. I connect with Kent and an old friend of ours, Mike Quillen, who amazingly in retirement is moving back to Milwaukee. I think he's the first person in the history to retire to Milwaukee from Seattle. But uh, Mike and Kent, I have had a lot of good time out there. So with that, Kent, welcome to the next class. Well, thanks, uh, Rob, so much. And thanks, Tom, for having me. Appreciate that. I do remember those years very well. And I, I have been here at uh, Seattle Prep for 15 years. Uh, a year or two ago, I was, I was at a conference, a Jesuit conference, and, and a Jesuit said to me, Kent, I, are you surprised you've been able to keep your job for so long? And I thought, yeah, I am actually kind of surprised by that. But it's a great, been a great source of joy over these 15 years. And I think our friend uh, Mike Quillen, I don't know, I just got a, a text from him yesterday. I think he's ready to move back, just to let you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Milwaukee, but yeah, a four-week oh, retirement. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> uh, okay, thank you. And and as we jump into it, uh, we had a great first guest of this second season of the next class, Father Dennis Holtschneider, the former president of DePaul University and current head of the American Catholic Colleges and Universities Association. And um, a lot of great takeaways. If you haven't listened to that episode, our first one. It was fascinating, but I'd love your your thoughts, Kent, on on one piece when we talked about the future of, of higher education and specifically Catholic universities. Um, he talked to us about one of the great challenges or threats to Catholic higher education are these companies that are getting into into the post-secondary space with certificate programs, Google, Amazon, Pricewaterhouse, Goldman Sachs, where you can just go there after high school get in a few certificate programs and get hired. And um, you're, you're right there in the thick of it with Amazon. Would, would love your thoughts on, on this impact, not only on, on higher education, but to, to your school. How does this affect Seattle Prep and, and all the high school leaders that, that are listening to this podcast? Yeah, I, I thought that observation uh, was really startling. Uh, and it seems to me like it's this is yet another option that's opening up for for young people, it seems to me like it'd be a significant threat to colleges, I, and I don't know how they'll deal with that. But yeah, just looking at the high school part of it, I, you know, uh, I, I'd say it, it impacts high schools. It, it kind of depends upon your high school and what your mission is, right? So we're Seattle Preparatory School, uh, but every Catholic high school is a preparatory school. The question is, what are you preparing them for, right? And I think what 
can happen at some schools, it gets to be narrowed to the point where it's, I'm just going to say just college prep, right? So we're just, and then, and that's when schools start to morph into more like what uh, measuring goals based purely, purely upon standardized test scores, let's say, because if you're, if you start limiting your, your preparatory part to just college, then I, well, I think you're under threat right now, right? Based upon this, the data you just gave. But if a, a Catholic high school is mission-driven, they know that preparing for what comes after high school intellectually, you know, whether it's Amazon U or, or a college, what have you, that's just part of it, right? Because preparatory means formation. High schools are all about formation. And we never talk about formation just in terms of academics. And, you know, the thought that I have on that is, you know, I think probably every Catholic high school would say this. If you look at if you ask your parents, why'd you send, uh, what's, what's the most attractive part of the school? Well, a lot of them will put academics toward the top, right, as they're coming in. If you ask them the question when they're leaving, they're going to talk about things like, well, I went to the Kairos closing retreat. Right. My son or daughter's junior year. And I sat there and I saw what was going on and I just said, well, this is all worth it. This is totally worth it. And I... So I guess what I, you know, I don't want to be dismissive of that data. You know, Tom and Rob, I'd love to hear your guys' comments on this. But I, I don't think this is a threat to Catholic high schools if we are true to who we are. And who we are, we're in the business of formation, right? And preparatory doesn't just mean college preparatory. I don't, do you guys have thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, Ken, I, I agree. I think it, uh, the task before us is to do uh, an always – improving job of communicating the value of what we offer in Catholic education so that people understand the formation that happens and the value formation. Um, and then we have the opportunity to find data, which is out there, and to use it on the benefits of a Catholic school education, not just from a faith perspective, but also from an employee perspective. And at the Catholic high schools, I mean, Catholic colleges, we know Catholic colleges want Catholic high school students because they work harder, they uh, graduate quicker, they pay on time, right? And they're great students who don't cause trouble. We need to be able to demonstrate that accordingly as people go through K through 16 and beyond in Catholic education because Catholic colleges and universities offer something that Amazon U to be frank, simply can't. Right. Um, so, yeah. But you know what, Tom, I think that's the opportunity for the Catholic high school is that as parents look at, you know, going $250,000 in debt for their child to go to college, maybe I'll invest in high school for the formation of the person and then they can do a certificate program. They can go to a community college and we don't have to take $250,000 in debt out. Um, and the formation really happening at the high school level and then more professional targeting at the at the post-secondary level just picture you know i i school start here in a you know a month or so and i love the opening day i still do i love the, it sends chills thinking about the opening day of school and i can't wait for this year in particular but they come in and they really are kids right they're boys and girls and then when they leave it's like you don't want to leave it's like well you're human now and i actually want to be around you. <laughs> yeah, <it's> like, <laughs> and you know there's 70 18 and you, you know when i'm handing off diplomas uh, and so like that, it, they're so different, right? 
So that those four years are remarkable years. And I don't know if there's any more time in our lives that are more different than those four years for formation. And if we do it really well, there's transformation that happens. If we're opening up to God's spirit that's working and then God animates the work. Right. So, uh, yeah. And I think, though, a lot of times when parents going back, you know, Tom, what you're saying, like, I think a lot of times parents want this for their kids, but they maybe don't even know how to articulate it. Right. Right. Particularly like so I'm I'm in the unchurched part right of the country. Right. And uh, but when you start talking about the things that you do, it resonates with people, even if the language is a little bit different from what they're hearing. Right. And so I think people have a hunger for what Catholic schools have to offer. I don't think we're that great about getting out what it is actually that we're doing. We should talk more about formation and transformation, Whoa. right? And Kent, I think you see that in our friend Pat Ruff running Woodside Priory. 60 to 70% of his student body is not Catholic, but they yeah. love that formation piece. They love the monks walking around campus. They love the holistic focus on the whole child. And um, I think that's but good. <laughs> your comment about the four years and the development. I remember one year when you were assistant principal, you gave me a, a set of one class of freshmen. And do you remember two weeks in, I came in and I said, if you ever make me do this again, I'm quitting. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't trying to get that to happen, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but you're right. Those, the transformation, I love the oh. sophomore year that you oh, see the growth. Yeah. The juniors are sort of, in, you know, they're a squirrely bunch. But then by senior year, don't leave, guys. Like, Yeah. I teach. I still teach. I teach scripture to sophomores uh, first semester. And the second semester, I teach a senior seminar, which is more of a philosophy course, right? But I, I love the sophomores. You know, they're barely human. Right? You can just see everyone. So, okay, you're kind of human. I love teaching sophomores. And last time I taught it, I had a very dyed-in-the-wool atheist in that class. I loved it. You know why? Because it means he cared. And he was thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Engagement, right? We're engaging. The 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 worst thing is you got the milk toast, right? You know, just yeah. kind of oh, just kind of going through things, engaging these kids. And well, you know, a Jesuit phrase, you know, hearts on fire, right? Hearts on fire. So, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, and I mean, this leads the, to the issue, Kent, that I'd love to get your input on is just as a school leader, how do we communicate, right? What's the ways to communicate? And particularly if we're talking about communicating a vision to parents who may, may not really, they may be attracted to Catholic high school, but they may not really know why. We know and see the benefits. We want parents to understand that. Talk to us a little bit about your experience with um, communication, how a school leader can effectively communicate. Yeah, I don't have a lot of big uh, theories on things. I just have these very basic principles I've operated under over the years. But one of them is, you know, don't try to be, you know, all things for all people. Who are you? Say who you are. I, I remember at Open House a few years ago, a teacher came up to I, I speak at Open House to, you know, as we have groups come in and a teacher came up to me and said, hey, I just want to let you know, uh, this one family left uh, after you were done talking. And, uh, <laughs> and they said, uh, and they could tell it's like you talk too much about faith, you know, and and I yeah, I mentioned God. I mentioned the fact, you know, that uh, as a Jesuit school, we exist because of our faith. And that is who we are. Ad mayorum de gloriam for the greater glory of God is the foundation of everything that we do. All right. Um, it's really good that they left because this would not have been a good fit for them. But also it was good that I'm not trying to say we will morph ourselves into anything you want us to be. OK, so I think 
one of the problems we get in trouble with as leaders is, particularly when we, when we get into like the, the hot mess situations that are difficult, is we stray from mission. And whenever we talk about uh, ourselves and who we are, we have to ground it in mission. I'll just give one other example, Tom, because I think you know, these come up all the time. But I was on a call with other uh local Catholic school heads here and someone, you know, the discussion was critical race theory, right? Critical race theory. And, um, you know, my thought on that is I'm actually not going to use the phrase critical race theory because it means 10 different things to 10 different people. And it's going to divide instead of unite. Now, are we going to talk about diversity, equity, inclusion? Are we going to look honestly at our history? Are we going to examine racism in our lives? Absolutely. But that all flows from mission. So every time that I talk about this, I talk about our Catholic Jesuit and our, because being a Jesuit school mission. And so, again, I, you know, maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but I, I think we get in problems when we stray from mission. We get into trouble when we try to be all things for all people. And we're pretty good when we try to couch everything we talk about in who we are and what we do. You know, and, and yep. Ken, you're touching on, on a big subject in America today. Uh, sort of the polarization of everything. I mean, you right. can't find a subject that isn't totally polarizing, you know, from what you're talking about, critical race theory to the vaccines to, um, I mean, the Cubs and the White Sox. <laughs> and, um, but let's, if we shift from that polarization, what, if we went to, to, to the other end of that, what are, what are ties that bind us? What are things that school leaders could be, instead of going down that rabbit hole of the polarization, what are what are ties that school leaders and school people could be focusing on that, that, that bind us together? Yeah, so I think Catholic education is primarily a spiritual humanist education, right? And now we go back hundreds of years, and it looks different from hundreds of years ago, but it's still a spiritual humanism. And so uh, I think the focal point is always on the human. And I think, you know, we look at Pope Francis. I really think that's what he's talking about, you know, constantly in, in different ways. And uh, we have a great uh, pastor uh, at our church, Our Lady of the Lake, and, and he's, a, he's a monk. And I remember a great homily he gave is like, I'm sick of being an issues church, <laughs> you know, and, and yeah. I don't want to bury my head in the sand. I, I get it, you know, uh, but I, I just think uh, that when we talk about issues, we always have to ground it in, in the ties that bind, and it's in our common humanity, and uh, and it's finding the face of Christ in each other. And I, I think we spend a lot of time finding high ground to defend or to attack from, right? Whenever in, in battles, you find the high ground. And uh, what we need to find is the common ground, you know? And I think when you're, now some people you just can't have, dis uh, it, well, it's hard to have discussions with some people because there's already so... Uh, hunkered down, right? Uh, they've set up, I'll keep using military image, they've, they've set up the breastworks and, and that's it, right? So there's no openness. Um, but for most people, particularly most people in our schools or want to come to our schools, they're really open. And, and I, I don't use conservative labels. I don't use liberal labels. I think they're somewhat meaningless, you know, when I have discussions. The tie that binds is our common humanity. And so, I, I, you know, I'll just, you know, be candid here that I've I've been someone that has spoken a lot about uh, about LGBTQ students, faculty and such, and care for them. Now, this might not resonate with everyone maybe who's listening to this, but I'm also really strongly pro-life, and I used to work for a pro-life organization and such. Well, when I speak about um, care for the unborn, when I speak about care for kids, uh, 
uh, gay kids, straight kids. It's really the same language because it's the same human being and the same face of Christ that's in front of us. So I just I guess I'm, I'm going on and on here, but I guess I'd say the starting point is let's find the common ground, which is our common humanity. With that being said, let me take a second to introduce our sponsor, Catholic Virtual. Catholic Virtual is the trusted online education partner of Catholic schools worldwide. They develop customized online learning solutions to meet the needs of their partner schools and students. Visit their website at www.catholicvirtual.com to learn more. Now back to the episode. I don't know. Does that resonate yeah, yeah, or is that what right offer? So. I mean, you know, Ken, it's, but it's also challenging, right? Because it's easier to pick an issue and defend it at all costs, uh, particularly if that issue is, um, you know, I mean, that's, that's easier than, than uh, asking questions about what do I really, really, really believe at a substantive level. You know, it's, it's actually, you know, Ken, you kindly uh, sent me a copy of the book you wrote, and I, I was just reading it, 40 Days with God, the other day. And in your first little reflection on the Garden of Eden, you talk about Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, right? God's walking, and he calls out to them. They've eaten the apple, and they're probably hiding. They're hiding, right? They're right. hiding behind a tree, not wanting to walk with God. And that that sort of resonated with me because I might I might like to do that because it's challenging to be naked or reveal uh, in front of God. It's easier to hide. And I know for me, it's, um, and I think I see this in others, but I'll speak for myself. It's easier to hide behind an issue that is maybe important, but maybe not quite so personal. Um, And I think that's a, that's an important issue and it can distract us. Um, Even though, you know, issues can be are still very, very important, right? Mm-hmm. But they have to be addressed from a point of, you know, who we are. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah no, I, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give a, an example. Every year, I go to Appomattox Courthouse, and I'm a, uh, I'm a living historian there, and I dress up someone from 1865, and I talk to guests at Appomattox. Okay, and I, I'm bringing that up now because I knew that this year. I'd be getting tough questions from the groups that visit. And I thought about it beforehand. And sure enough, I think it was the first day, some, some, uh, someone asked me, hey, uh, what do, you, what do you think caused the Civil War? Well, I know what the answer, he, want, he wants to start defending states' rights, right? But, you know, my character, and I just honestly with history, I'm going to speak the truth of that issue. Like, I, to go to your point, Tom, like, there are issues, and it's deeply held, and I don't think we can back away from these things, right? right? And yep. so I said to the guy, and again, I was in character, it's like, well... Where have you been for 30 years? You know, and, and with a smile, I was not trying to. Well, of course, it was slavery. But then I immediately pivoted to, but maybe, maybe you want to ask more about why it is that these boys fought in this war. And that's a really different question that allows common ground to be reached because most, most of those boys in the South didn't fight for states' rights. And and there's a there's a classic story of uh, it, 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 during the Civil War. There's a uh, one of these Confederate soldiers. He was captured, and these Yankees say to him, "Well, why are you fighting? Why are you fighting, Johnny Reb?" And his answer was, "Because you're here." And that really resonated with this guy because it's actually true. And yeah. so we ended up having a great discussion. He and I. But if I had start, I, but I, again, I want to back away from the truth. Like it was slavery. 
<laughs> there's no doubt about yeah, that. Yeah. But there's going to be no discussion or common ground if if we just again have our hide behind our breastworks and say right. I'm going to just going to dig in and just do that. But you can go to any number of issues, particularly in this polarized church and polarized society we live with. So I mean, I, I think there's a way to do this if we have hearts that are open to doing it. Yep, that's great. So Kent, um, so you are a reenactment actor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Rob. No, no. Reenactors, they're the bottom feeders. I'm just saying they they have orders that they just carry out. Uh, our job is to make history come alive, Rob. But here's I'll just say another thing about this, and is that uh, when people ask me why I go to do this every summer. Uh, it, it's just pure escapism. And so I, I guess thing I, one thing I'll say to our audience out there is, and maybe this past year has made us do this more. Well, we just heard about what Tom does. Uh, and what I heard you say, Tom, is you ride the exact same number of miles as Tour de France. Maybe, oh, absolutely. maybe, maybe it was off by a, by a little bit. But yeah. but I would guess, Tom, that one of the reasons why you do this, particularly the social part of it and the physical part is it's it's escapism, you know, and yep. I, I guess that has a negative connotation. Well, it shouldn't have a negative connotation anymore. Like for our mental health, I love dressing up once a year for two or three weeks, pretending to be someone I'm not. I don't have any keys to the place. I have no authority. I talk to wonderful Americans and, and actually people from all over the world. I love it. You know, a lot of Australians, for some reason, go there. <laughs> and uh, and I love it. And I come back rejuvenated. And I would hope that anyone, all of us who work in Catholic schools, who work so hard doing the mission of our Lord, take our times, not just during the summer, but times for retreats during the year. Uh, our mental health deserves us. We have to have this, uh, Rob. I don't know what it what it is that you do for your form of escapism. So, um, well, we're actually going to Colorado with my wife and daughter next week. We're hiking and camping in the mountains with no cell service. So, awesome, gone. Awesome. We're off right? the grid. And um, but a, a quick story: uh, a friend of ours, Kent, you know Bob Abe DeMarco. Yep. He uh, he is gone for two weeks to the beach with his wife, and his out of office simply says, "I'm out of the office." <laughs> it doesn't say how to reach it's them. Like, it's not, a, not any ambiguity there. This is, what <laughs> no. I, this is what I'm doing. Hey, by the way, don't bother me. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the way it should be. That really is. That's really, really important. So, no, that's, right. that, that's yeah. great. And, and Kent, we also talked about another friend, the founder of Christ Ray Cleveland, who he goes camping totally off the grid for two weeks. Yeah. No soul, nothing. Yeah. And he's by himself, reads a lot exercises hikes and um yeah so you know yeah for me it's the 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 biking in these this escapism experience is being forced to be present in the moment yeah right and the moment is the only real time that we have and the moment is when in some sense I'm alone with myself and I have to figure out who I am and what I believe. And after that, to get back to the issues thing, after that, I am much clearer on what's right and what's wrong. And I am much better to address those issues in a proper, authentic way without any of the the sort of shadows. Um, And uh, plus, I just love biking. Let's be honest. Well, well, yeah, and that's awesome. But and then just kind of let's picture how this continues in our lives as we take up our regular work. And uh, so in in that book, uh, 
Tom, when you mentioned, yeah, well, I think it's one of the first chapters is is hiding from God, right? Yeah. And, you know, uh, in Jesuit tradition, it's always about the examine, right? When you do the examine, you can do the examine different ways. And one of the, I think one of the great ways, and, and, and this book has reflections on scripture passages, but it's really more of a, I think it's, I, I really think it's an extenuated examine. Okay. I, I really think that's what the book is because I, a good examine for me is that part in Scripture where Adam and Eve had committed the sin. And then there's this great line that God was walking about the garden in the breezy time of day. And that's that's the key, I think, to the whole story is to picture God is always look, walking in that garden with us at the breezy time of day. And he's looking for us. He's looking for us every day. And so my examine at night is... How do I, how did I, how did I hide from you today, God? And in what ways did I find, you know, a lot of times it's busyness. I can't take, we have a beautiful chapel here. I can't take those five minutes to go to that chapel. Doggone it. I got to get that email done. You know, and it's about a new pencil sharpener. You know, that's the email that has to get done. And so I, I think that's a great end of the day examine. And I would say a great beginning of the day examine. I think, again, this it's not escapism. It's it's just pulling back. You know, it's 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 a monastic tradition, right? If I were to name that book, if I I kind of think I should have named the book differently. Now I think about it, I I, I think I should have named the book. Why did I get two? Why did I get two? Because there's a great uh, prayer from G.K. Chesterton, uh, and this is the prayer I say every morning. Like I, I walk to work, right? Every morning when I'm walking to work. Yesterday ended another day. When I, had, when I had eyes, ears, hands, and the great world around me. Today begins another day. Why do I get two? And I start every day by asking myself, why do I get two? Hey, there must be a reason why God is giving me the gift of another day of life. And is it just to go through the doggone day, right? So I, I think a great examine to start the day with and, and it's something to consider maybe for our listeners too is if you want to try something new this year start off a prayer with why did i get two and it, by the way it ultimately leads to gratitude right which is the best prayer yeah so, anyway. so can just on your book uh for our listeners can you um the, where would they find it the, the title again yeah, it's uh, Paraclete Press published it. Wonderful people there. It's called 40 Days with God. Um, I, I, some people think they have to take, like I said, well, I'm, I don't have 40 straight days to read your book, one a day. It's like, well, it's really not that. You know, it's, it's uh, 40 is whatever time you need to find God. You know, because 40, as we know, is so big in scripture. But it's, yeah, yeah it's on Amazon, or you could go right to Paraclete, and I'll, I'll, I'll let you know that the any uh, the proceeds I get go to a tuition assistance fund here at Seattle Prep. So I'm not saying this to enrich myself or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, it was great writing the book, and I finished it during the first part of the pandemic. And again, I think I, think I spent Sundays doing that. I, I would spend Sundays writing in the book, and I had a lot of fun. And uh, and it was a good thing for me to do. So anyway, um, great. Well, the, the the final area to pivot to, Kent, when you and I were at the Eiley, uh, yeah, in Park City, we gave a talk on the fourth R in education, yeah. relationships. So reading, writing, arithmetic, everybody knows that. But we, we talked about relationships and that was pre-pandemic when we talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love your thoughts coming out of this. What for school leaders, for teachers, uh, what are your thoughts as we, you know, as we enter this new stage, as schools start getting ready to go back, when we drop this, it'll be back to school time for, for teachers and leaders. What are your thoughts on relationships in education 
that we've learned the past 16 months. So, you know, actually, I think this circles us back to the beginning of this when we were talking about what's attractive about uh, Catholic schools and, you know, the way that Tom was describing that is, yeah, we have to be really good at the three R's, right? And um, and, and maybe if there are schools like Google U and such, uh, maybe things like uh, rhetoric and such move back in because, you know, it's it's certain intellectual skill sets we have to have, speaking skills, writing skills, leadership. I think Catholic schools are all about leadership and leadership formation. But the key is relationships. The key is relationships. And that's what sets us apart. So one of the things that I say when I'm talking, for example, at an open house is when I give out diplomas at graduation, I I know the names of every kid that I give a diploma to. Now, that's that's about 200 students. And I say it's not like I've had in-depth discussions with everyone of these kids. But our our faculty and staff know our kids and they know us and teenagers are vulnerable and we can go through all the reasons why, you know, the sense of alienation, increasing alienation for teenagers. When we look at suicide uh, ideation and these types of things, this is not an easier time for kids. What COVID has shown, it's an even harder time for kids. So the whole point to last year, and why I think Catholic high schools did really, really well around the country, is they focus on the relationships. They didn't. There weren't a whole lot of, "Hey, here's the." I posted the worksheet. Get that done and turn it in. And so, uh, you know, and, and Tom knows a lot more about you know what goes on in schools throughout our country uh, in terms of you know low enrollment and such as that. But if there's a time that we could emphasize how relationships are the key, um, now's the time to do it. You know, and this is what we have to get across. And we cannot be afraid to say that the most important relationship we have is with Jesus Christ. Okay, and uh, and and I think we need to double down on Jesus. And that doesn't make us more exclusionary. That makes us more inclusionary because there is no person in history that was more inclusive than Jesus Christ. And so, and and that, by the way, could be kids of different faith traditions or no. You know, the example you gave at Patrick School, right, Rob, is stuff. Jesus is the door that we enter through these relationships. And when I talk to kids, I say, look, uh, there's a, uh, there's some traditions in the Jewish traditions, but how do we see the face of Christ in each other? And how different would we be if we saw the face of Christ in each other? It's all about relationships. You know, Ken, that's striking because in, in, in last year, Catholic schools put the kids first. Absolutely no question. Right. We adapted. Pe- the teachers gave selflessly. So did the leadership to really say our mission is to serve the young people the parents entrust us entrust into our care and to educate them, to care for them, to pray with them and to support them. And we did that. And as a result, um, there are many places in which enrollment has gone up because of the focus on the students and the service provided. I think it's a, a remarkable testament to Catholic education just going the extra mile during a very difficult time. Yeah. Isn't the difference between a vocation and a job? Right. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And, and we yep. saw that last year. And our people here, Seattle Prep, I, I, I cannot tell you how appreciative our parents are. Our parents were great throughout it because they knew their teachers, their coaches, their moderators, the things that they did to keep the kids engaged. And they worked their, I'll just say, they worked their butts off. They just worked so doggone hard. And that was seen and that was known. And we talk about marketing. I think you can have all the 
best marketing materials in the world. But all that matters is what is said at the checkout line of a grocery store. That's all that matters, or the parking lot of a Catholic grade school. And what they were saying about our school, but school Catholic schools, just as you said, Tom, across the country was, boy, these teachers, they they hit a home run. They hit a home run. Absolutely. Because it's about relationships, the kids. Absolutely. That's, yeah. that's great, Kent. Um, and, you know, I think um, you might remember we did a study at Crease DeRay when I was running Crease DeRay, uh, along with the KIPP Foundation. Um, you know, we had 24 schools, they had about 50, and we're trying to figure out why certain students stayed and certain students left. So we did exit interviews of the students, and we obviously interviewed the students that stayed. The only common denominator we could find, it wasn't grades, it wasn't family stuff. The one that went across KIPP and Crease DeRay was the students that stayed had a relationship with someone other than a teacher or coach at the yeah. school. Yeah. It was bizarre. it was like the one yeah. thing that went went across all the schools, and it could be the you know the receptionist, it could be yep. you know a security guard. I mean, uh, uh, yep, the person in the cafeteria that, yeah. that they see every day. Well, every person who works in a, in a in a Catholic school, they're they they're pastoral people right they're they're they are formation directors you know we talked about the key to catholic schools is formation every single person in a catholic school is a formation director so that's why i think every catholic school needs to have uh, a leader of adult faith formation how can we expect our people to be uh, formation directors regardless if they're working in the cafeteria or coaching or teaching if they themselves are not nourished spiritually are, are not also part of a formation and as we look at you know and budgets reflect values right budgets reflect values let's look at uh, I'm big on athletics. I really like athletics. I think they're really important. But compare um, athletics budget to, let's say, retreats budget. You know, we need to make sure that we're putting resources behind retreats for kids that are for formation. But are we doing things like I can't wait for us to go for our two day retreat? It's an overnight, you know, here with the faculty and staff. Right. Oh, my gosh. We're not in class those two days. Yeah. Thank God we're not in class those two days, because instead the faculty and staff all of us are going to be off on retreat getting nourished spiritually so that we can return and be formation directors right and build these relationships i i would even when catholic schools are struggling financially find the money you can to do these things because and I'll, even in just financial terms it will pay great dividends and of course most importantly it's not dividends and money but you will actually see a dividend in money too because <laughs> you'll see better enrollment and you'll see better fundraising so. yeah absolutely so kent if you've listened to the next class you know the final question coming uh, is it about so, being a reenactor? <laughs> I already got you on that one. <laughs> We've asked all of our guests, who is your favorite teacher, most impactful teacher, and why? Yeah. His name was Neil Redmond. I went to a Catholic school in Kalamazoo, Michigan, Monsignor Hackett High School. Mr. Redmond was my uh, Latin teacher. But more importantly, and this is, of course, the sacrifice that people make when they teach at Catholic schools was, he was also in charge of janitorial services. So I worked as a janitor at uh, Hackett High School, and he was my boss. And um, he was really, really important for my formation. Now, he was really sarcastic, and he often mocked the work that I did. <laughs> you know, like I, my first time I mopped, I created a flood. That wasn't awesome. Um, but you know what he did? 
he spent time with me. It's just what you talked about, Rob, what that study showed. It wasn't so much what he said is that he saw something with me about me. Uh, uh, he, he called me Dukes, which was my Latin name. Kent is Latin is Dukes. Hey, Dukes. Don't flood the foyer again. Okay. And uh, so it was Mr. Redman. And it wasn't because what he taught and it wasn't what he did as a boss. He, j- I just knew that he cared for me. And that's what every kid wants and needs. And that's why we can't have schools, any school that's warehousing 2,000 kids. That can't happen. Our Catholic schools do this, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and he's gone to our Lord. But I'll just say publicly right, right now, Thank you, Mr. Redmond, for taking time to care about this kid um, when you didn't have to. That's great, Kent. Um, so, Kent Dickey, great to see you as always, my friend. Thank Absolutely. you for joining us today. And um, well, Tom and Rob, thank you so much for spending time uh, with me. I appreciate it. I uh, The work you do is ministry, and I want to thank you for the ministry that you do. And, and God bless uh, to all of you. And, 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 and Nico, God bless you, too. Take care, everyone. Thank you, Ken. Really okay. appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Bye. <laughs> All right, Tom, uh, as always with Kent, a, a lively discussion. Love to hear wow. your, your takeaways. Yeah, I, I, I was struck, um, to be frank, by his humility as a, as a successful long-term Catholic high school leader who clearly works very hard. Just, I think, the, the, the humility with which he seeks to encounter the Lord God on a regular basis through daily prayer through adjusting his budgets to make sure there's money in the budgets for retreats for his faculty, for the fact that he is actively involved in retreats with students and faculty, that he teaches scripture. Oh, and by the way, then he spent his Sundays writing a book on spirituality, um, which is tremendous. So uh, this is a this is a humble servant leader. Um, but what, yeah. one thing he didn't talk about, but I, I know he would uh, he'd be okay with me sharing, is he is actively giving retreats for other schools and he doesn't charge other than his travel. And so wow. for any school leaders listening that, you know, would be interested, um, Ken Tickey is president at Seattle Jesuit prep. And I know he would be more than open to uh, leading your faculty through a retreat as we we're just talking about. And he's done this yeah. for a number of schools. Um, the, the other thing though, that I have always loved about Kent from the day I met him in 1993, his passion yes. is invigorating. And for <laughs> school leaders that, it is so it's it's unquantifiably important yeah. and i mean we're on a podcast you're in dc area i'm in chicago nico's here in chicago with me and and tom's i mean and kent's out in um in seattle and it, it still came through i mean just yeah. this vibrancy and yep. and that is something that um you know in in 30 years has not changed and wow yeah yeah that was tremendous great discussion good well tom thank you for joining me and i would also as always like to thank nico our producer for joining us thank you to all of you for listening and we look forward to seeing you at the next class we hope you enjoyed this episode today if you did would greatly appreciate it if you would share this episode with your friends and family if you get a moment to rate or review us that too would be much appreciated have a great day